Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the LB Fee Show, the one and only podcast featuring the one and only Long Beach State Athletics Director, Andy Fee. As always, this show is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and my partner, Mike Gardabasio. But Mike's out sick today, so it's just me and Andy Fee. How you doing, Andy? I am doing well. I have uh, managed to keep uh, the flu away, so we'll see if I can keep that streak alive. Yeah, keep doing that. Bob and Weave. Bob and Weave. <laughs> we have our special guest coming up later on in the show, softball coach Kim Souter. We, we got to figure out who leads with the most appearances on the LB Fee Show, because Kim's got to be up mm. there. I think Alan I, Knife is probably the winner, though. I would go with Alan. Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably a safe bet. we got to do a Saturday Night Live thing where we'll get a five-timers that's jacket. That's right. That's First right. Time comes it's like on. the Tom Hanks thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, we mentioned uh, two weeks ago, last time here on the LBF show, that the spring sports were coming. Well, these spring sports are absolutely here. Women's water polo, men's volleyball, baseball, softball, tennis, track and field, and beach volleyball. Uh, so that's an exciting time, but it's also a very busy time for you guys here on campus. So are you all geared up? Are you ready to go? I, you know, I think over this past weekend, I think we had what water polo, even though not all home events, but tennis is going water polo, women's water polo is going, the basketballs are going, I mean, track and fields going, the softball team, baseball team are practicing. So it is, uh, all hands on deck. Yes. Yeah. No more Saturdays off. No. At Long Beach state until at least May. <laughs> Correct. It is, uh, officially, officially the super busy part of the year. Uh, that kind of kicks off on Friday night, the Long Beach state dirtbags baseball program hosting their annual banquet. And it's sold out a lot of excitement around this program right now. And first year head coach, Eric Valenzuela. Yeah, we're excited. I, I, I spoke with Coach this morning, and I think he told me that we have 335 people uh, for That's dinner. That's awesome. Yeah, so it'll be a, a lively group. It'll be a lot of fun and uh, a wonderful way to kick the year off. Yeah, I'm going to be emceeing that event, and I'm very excited to work with the one, the only, DJ Mike Gallo. You know, we're bringing in the ringers. There's, there's, it is, you know, first team, all conference, MLB guys. It's, it's nothing but the best here at the beach. I don't know. Gallo's going to have to wear some sort of Astros joke if they're going to put me with the microphone on the stage. Yes, I think uh, he's going to have to get one at yeah, least. You can't stay away from that. That's almost too easy. That's going to be fun. Going to be able to introduce the new dirt bags and some of the old ones who are back. Valenzuela, very excited about his team this year, and he should be picked second in the Big West Conference by the coaches. And the Big West baseball coaches, they they know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I certainly don't want to speak for Coach, but I, I think he's optimistic. I think he's excited to see offensively what this team can do, and obviously as a, a pitching guru of what he's going to be able to to make uh, some positive changes. But, uh, you know, I think you know we're all excited for this, and uh, even though we had some struggles last year, uh, it is a new season upon us, and uh, we'll see what we can do. I'm looking over at producer Roger, maybe uh, EV on the next LB Fee show. He's giving me the thumbs up. I think that we can definitely make that happen. Again, that banquet on Friday night. And it's not the only new thing for Dirtbags Baseball. There's also some new looks at Bull Diamond at Blair Field this year. Yeah, so uh, in, in one respect, uh, something that will uh, help with the aesthetics, but also the safety is uh, – uh, we're putting in some new safety netting. So as uh, a lot of folks who follow Major League Baseball, um, and you've seen, I think, I don't know if it's a requirement for all Major League teams this year. Well, I think this year it is, but maybe last year it wasn't. Uh, we are installing uh, new safety netting, which will go down both foul lines all the way down. So uh, fans uh, will be safer um, and, 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 and hopefully be able to still see the game in, in, in a great way and not be obscured from netting. But uh 
you know, that is just one of the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, we've got a fresh coat of paint going in over there. Nice. Uh, a lot of little things that, uh, you know, singularly may not uh, be noticeable, but I think put together, uh, I think fans are going to see um, some enhancements out there just in the aesthetics of the stadium. Yeah, the netting is going to be a huge change, uh, not only for the people watching the game, but the people covering the game. Yeah, minor detail, right? Yeah, we've, uh, <laughs> we've been looking through that thick, uh, I don't even know what you call that netting, because I've never really seen it anywhere else. But Old that, school. That old we call that school old school netting. netting. Blair Field. Uh, that, yeah, it was a thick wire, very hard to shoot through when you're talking about using a camera. So I'm very excited to get to Blair Field and, uh, and try this out. Yeah, I think uh, Columbus may have crossed the Atlantic using some of that netting, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're, we're, a new day is upon us. And also, if you've gone to dirtbag baseball, if you've, if you've been to Blair Field watching high school baseball, you know a left-handed hitter late on a fastball away, that thing comes out real quick. And down the left field line, down the first base line, and then that little area over there where the kids hang out in between the bull, the visitor's bullpen and the dugout, those, those balls come in flying. So I think everybody who is a baseball fan or part of the baseball community here in Long Beach, their lives are changed for the better with this netting at full time in a blue For field. sure. You know, I think the, the key saying uh, in the past was keep your head on a swivel. Without question. And, uh, you know, now uh, you can uh, – safely look at your cell phone or, uh, you know, <laughs> high five your neighbor, but, uh, you know, it'll make a big difference. And again, um, it'll have a positive impact on the fan experience. Speaking of facilities, breaking news here for the big West. And that obviously affects long beach state. The basketball tournament will stay at Honda center through 2022, originally at the ACC special place in my heart for the ACC. Mike and I have talked about that on this show before. Uh, but in the Honda Center through 2022, it's a contract that you guys signed a couple years ago. And I know I, uh, I interviewed uh, Commissioner Farrell about that when it was signed, talking about why bringing that basketball tournament to the Honda Center and keeping it there was important for the conference. So this is good news, right? It is, it is good news. Uh, it, per the old contract, 20, 2020 would have been the final year of the original contract. Within that original contract was the opportunity for the conference to exercise uh, either a one- or a two-year extension, which we have done a two-year extension. And part of the reason why is we, we, we went back and negotiated with the Honda Center to add a, a fourth day. Um, over the past years, we've only had three days at the Honda Center, and that was because of a variety of reasons, whether it was the Ducks schedule or maybe there was a concert going on. Uh, that we can only get to three days. But with four days, we can now have all of the men's and women's rounds all at the Honda Center. That's huge. Um, this year, uh, maybe it's a good thing, uh, we'll be hosting the the opening round of uh, the women's tournament. But um, as I think a lot of us have said, um, in order to be equitable and, and provide a, a true championship experience for the men and the women, which is what we're focused on, uh, getting everybody in the same building is really important. And I, I think... Um, that still leaves the table open after 22 about what we'll do. Um, that doesn't necessarily cross the Honda Center off the list, but mm. I, st I still think that um, Las Vegas um, is, is on the table. Uh, I think part of the reason that the extension of 21 and 22 at the Honda Center was some of the facilities we were looking at in Vegas actually contractually would not be available until 2023. So uh, in a way, it's worked out perfectly mm. um we get to uh get everybody in the same building and uh we also get a little extra time here to figure out what we want to do long term yeah I, I definitely thought that was probably not the best move to separate the two tournaments make one on campus a little bit and then one also in the honda center a little bit 
Um, I would have even said move the men to home sites in the first few rounds. I know we've talked about that on this show, how, you know, sometimes the Honda Center just doesn't feel like college basketball. You know what I mean? And and to his credit, Commissioner Farrell yeah. said, yeah, we do want more fans here. That's not the reason why they bring it to the Honda Center. Though. Yeah. It's not it's not to fill the arena, right? It's it's more for the student-athlete experience. Yeah, and it is certainly a wonderful facility. But, um, you know, I think all of us, whether you're a fan or a student-athlete, you want to have an environment that is exciting. And, uh, you know, the, the Honda Center, I'm going to say seats 18,000 or at least 16,000. Um, which would be great to think we would sell that out. But um, the reality is we're not. Um, we certainly want to strive to sell the place out. But, you know, part of the reason of looking at a different facility maybe in Vegas is finding a facility that fits us more, yeah. fits who we are, that when you fill the building, it really feels like a full full building. But um, I, we're certainly always thankful for the Honda Center. They, they, they run a great event. It's a great experience for student-athletes in terms of the, the type of facility, uh, but I do think, again, the, the key thing is getting uh, the men and the women in there together because, you know, last year, you know, I was talking with Coach Cammon and, you know, it's great. We make the, the, the opening tournament or the opening round of the tournament, but no offense to Fullerton, but, you know, we're playing Northridge at Fullerton. And, you know, that would be like, you know, the inverse happening. I can't imagine that those two teams would be excited to come to the pyramid and play. Yeah, nobody wins in that sentence. Nobody <laughs> wins. Uh, it's not to make excuses, but it's not what I would call a championship experience. Um, I think the schools put on good events, but it doesn't have that feel. Yeah. And uh, we certainly want, whether um, it's a men's sport or a women's sport, to get the best possible championship experience. And I think moving forward in 21 and 22, the Honda Center is going to deliver that. We will be at Honda Center this year, and obviously we'll have a special basketball March Madness episode of the LB Fee Show coming up soon as well. It's now time to look back at last week at the beach. A tough Saturday. A Saturday that kind of kicks off the spring, but but not the way you wanted to kick it off. Men's basketball and men's volleyball both losing on Saturday. Uh, and Shout out to the uh, event staff here at Long Beach State, though. Incredible turnaround to get both of those games done. The basketball game at 4 and the men's volleyball game at 7.30. So, shouts to them. It, it went off without a hitch. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'm calling it Black Saturday, but uh, it was uh, it was a tough one for the beach. But, uh, you know, as I remind my staff and others, you know, you – you know, you don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. Yep. Um, it'd be great if we could control things and, and, and say, well, you know, we're always going to win at home. Um, certainly that's a goal. Uh, but um, tough, tough Saturday for us. But, you know, we've got resilient student athletes and, uh, you know, we've got great days ahead. Yeah, the men's basketball team kicked that Saturday off with that loss to UC Santa Barbara that kind of got out of hand in the second half. And credit to Dan Munson for, for lack of a better term, taking blame. He said after the game, quote, I apologize. Uh, we're a fragile team right now. We panicked. We quit defending. I can't let that happen. What do you as an athletic director think or feel when you hear a coach say something like that after a game that, like I said, kind of got out of hand in the second half? Well, I think that's what I want from someone is accountability, um, ownership. Um, I think a good coach will do that. Um, that's something that uh, as a manager myself, you know, uh, you don't want to blame others uh, for something that ultimately you're responsible for. Uh, I'm responsible for the athletic department, and, and coaches are responsible for their teams. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing a little bit, and I saw one fan on the way out the door, and, you know, we kind of both looked at each other, and the fan actually said, well, you know, we got 11 new guys, and we've seen where we've played well in, in one half and mm -hmm. not in the other, and we've seen games where we've put two halves together. 
you know, we beat Providence, who went in and beat Butler the other day, which is a tough place to win. So it's just the inconsistency sometimes of a young team. And that's uh, not that we lower expectations, but with young teams that that haven't played a lot together, uh, you're going to have some growing pains. I think we all want, you know, the growing pains to be shorter than what they are sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, always go half full on the glass. Um, I keep, you know, telling, uh, you know, the players that over the last 10 years on the men's side, nine out of the last 10 years, uh, the, the tournament champion has not been the regular season champion. I think last year UC Irvine was the first time that the regular season champion had won the tournament as yep. well. And so, eight champs over the last nine years. Yeah, so you, you look at it, and um, it, it's kind of a, a funky uh, way to look at it, but, um, you know, certainly the goal is to win regular season and, and then yeah. win the tournament. But history has proven that that hasn't been the case, and we've had some pretty good teams in this league over the years. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what is the, the poker saying, you know, you just chip in a chair, right? Yeah. Kind of the same thing um, if you can, you know, be playing well at the end of the season uh, in this league, you're going to have a chance in the tournament. So I think what we really just need to do, and this goes for what, you know, I think our coaches preach across the board is just get a little bit better every single day Mm -hmm. and then put yourself in a position where you've got a chance. And um, I do think as crazy as it may sound, some people might think I'm nuts, but uh, we have the, the, the talent. Um, We just need to get kind of young players to understand what it is to be consistent Mm -hmm. in terms of effort and uh, following through. And I think they do want to do that, and I think we're going to get there. I think they're going to get there eventually. I think the men's volleyball team is closer to getting there than I thought they'd be this early in the season. They played that nightcap against number 8 UCLA, and they lost in four sets, but it was an extremely close four sets. It was actually the Bruins going on a 4-0 run at the end of the first set and then a nice 5-0 run uh, in the heart of that fourth set that really changed the entire game in front of a raucous crowd, an absolute great atmosphere and environment at Walter Pyramid. Unfortunately, that did snap the 45-game winning streak for men's volleyball in the mid. Alan Knipe, unconcerned with that, though. He was much more about, does this game get us ready for the rest of the season? You know, it's so cool to see this team be the defending national champions in that they're definitely not resting on their laurels. Alan Knipe is out there with that underdog have dog in you mentality like the look in his eyes after that match said I want to go get another one not hey don't you guys remember that we won two in a row yeah and I think that is uh it's all about mentality and I think Alan has done a tremendous job over the years doing that and you know it was kind of like what I said a little bit last year you know we when we won the championship at Poly Pavilion and the expectation was hey we got to win another one well, yeah, but you're going to have to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And every year you're going to have to figure out whether you've won two championships in a row or you haven't won any championships in a row. You're going to have to figure out ways to do it differently every single year. And uh, I think Alan is um, optimistic. Um, he, he always is optimistic. Um, but I do think that uh, what I have seen, and I certainly am not a volleyball expert, but I've been very impressed by the mentality of guys that haven't seen a lot of court time who have stepped up to the mm. challenge. And uh, I expect, uh, knocking on wood uh, for the fans at home, that if we stay healthy, that it's going to be another exciting year. I don't know where we'll end up, but I know it'll be exciting. 
Some good news from women's basketball. They split their games last week and actually won an exciting game against UC Riverside here in Long Beach, a double overtime victory. Sophomore Justina King taking over that one. It extended their win streak to four games. that didn't get snapped on Saturday, but now they're in position. They are tied for second place in the Big West Conference just two games back, so they could really make some noise again. Another team, and even ask Jeff Kamen, go back and listen to the LB Feast show from about a month ago where Kamen was very worried or concerned in that his team wasn't healthy enough to perform their best. They are performing very well right now. Uh, you mentioned women's water polo a little bit. They are starting their season, and they're already 5-0. and They got wins over Loyola Marymount and San Jose State at the UCLA mini tournament last week. Orsi Hertzgeld leading the way. The sophomore had nine goals in those two games. Women's tennis getting their Big West Conference season started at Rhodes Tennis Center. They lost on the road to nationally ranked USC, but then came back and beat UC Davis. Uh, a really good showing for them at home, kind of getting that ball rolling for them in conference play. Men's golf, freshman Clay Sieber was able to uh, lead the beach. He was a top 20 finisher there in Arizona. And then we got to mention indoor track and field. They were in Washington at the UW Invitational, and Jason Smith made some school history. The senior went 25-7 in a quarter in the men's long jump to tie Kamani Briggs for the all-time record here at Long Beach State. The This Week at the Beach segment, everything coming up this week on Wednesday. Men's basketball is going to be at Cal Poly, and women's basketball is going to be at Cal Poly on Saturday. Women's basketball needs a win there against last place Cal Poly to keep pace with UC Davis in the conference standings. Men's volleyball is in their second tournament on the road of the season. They're at Ohio State, going to take on number seven Penn State and the Buckeyes. It's very cool to see the men's volleyball team be the main feature of these tournaments wherever they go. They're going to play the host on the last night. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, the softball team getting their season started, but not in America. They're going to be at the Puerto Vallarta College Challenge for the second time. Uh, they're going to take on Nevada, Utah State, George Washington, Oregon, and number three, Oklahoma. Another chance for this team to get out internationally. And I know we've talked to you about this before, but that student-athlete experience that you always talk about, the international travel, a huge part of that. Yeah, you know, anytime, and, we, and we've had a number of teams, as we've talked about uh, recently, going abroad, uh, great experience, an opportunity to, uh, to play your sport, whatever sport that is, but also just to get to see something different, to learn. I think that uh, in life, uh, getting out of our comfort zone sometimes allows us to, to look through a different lens, and uh, I'm excited that uh, softball have uh, another chance to do this in Puerto Vallarta. Souter coming up in just a minute uh, before we get there. Mentioned women's water polo at the Triton Invitational. Women's tennis going to be back at home at Rhodes to take on San Diego State on Saturday at 1 p.m. And that indoor track and field team is going to be in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Team Challenge. Before we get to our interview, we wanted to remind you Long Beach State fans about the 562.org and all the coverage that we're providing. That means newsletter, video, previews, recaps, photos, the Twitter updates, the interaction, all over the place, get to the 562.org right now and help support local sports coverage. We now welcome on our special guest, a legendary alum and coach who's helped Long Beach State reach 24 NCAA tournaments in softball. It's Coach Kim Souter. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the show and taking the time. Thanks for having me. Another one. We, we, you are definitely leading in the clubhouse because when we first started this show, you came on. I think you were one of our first guests to come on. So you, I think you, Alan Knipe, uh, and Dan Munson, I think, are in the in the lead right now for and most Andy. appearances and on the LB Fee Show. Oh, yeah, and Andy, and Andy. obviously. Yes. And Andy. <laughs> um, the Beach returned six starters from last season, 13 letter winners, 
So you guys got to be very excited about coming into this season. Do you have high expectations? Um, we do. We definitely uh, have high expectations. And I think um, having seven, seven seniors and uh, who I think are all going to be impact players, uh, you know, is exciting. And uh, they've, they've done a great job of leading the way right now. So can't wait to get started. Is, is there stuff that you enjoy doing in the offseason that just ended for you that you don't get to do during the season, softball related or otherwise? Um, we did a lot of community service during the off season. In fact, we just finished up doing a couple clinics with South Huntington Beach and San Pedro and also got uh, a chance to go to the Long Beach Rescue Mission last week uh, to Lydia's house and um, were able to cook a nice meal and do some spring cleaning. So those are those are some things that we really enjoy in the off season and that's uh, awesome long beach rescue mission have you guys worked with them before i know they work with the homeless here in the local area yeah this was actually our first time there so we went to lydia's house which is a, a shelter for women and children uh -huh. and uh it was just great to go in and see what great work they're doing um and you know just what it's all about and uh, it's pretty pretty incredible place and we are happy to to be able to help out there that, that's phenomenal what what kind of lessons do you want your team to take from those experiences especially the young girls like the freshmen and the sophomores coming in what do you want them to learn from that stuff um just you know to to help out you know help out whenever you can and um we're very fortunate to be in the position that we're in right now and not everybody always gets to be in that position and and when you can help you should definitely take advantage of that and uh, it goes a long way what about you in the off season? What, what's Kim doing on an off weekend in the middle of, I don't know, October? In the middle of October, I'm recruiting. That's big time <laughs> recruiting. So actually my off season is super busy because we recruit um, heavily in the fall. Um, we're putting in a lot of time to train. We're mm -hmm. putting in our heavy work as far as a team. So honestly, the spring is a little bit lighter and just, you know, I guess – a little more intense with games, but, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty busy all year. Do you mind that travel that, that, uh, that hitting the road for recruiting travel? Um, we actually don't have to hit the road too much with recruiting. We pretty much stay in California. We're very fortunate, um, to, to be able to do that. So it is local, um, but we're very busy every weekend. Is that more because of the quality of softball player here in Southern California? Something that I've always thought, the best softball players come from SoCal. Is that because of that, or is it something that you said, when I have my program at Long Beach State, we're going to build a fence, we're going to recruit locally? No, I think, um, you know, in the past, we've done it financially. It was was the best fit. And um, we, we tend to get players that want to be a little bit closer uh, to home and want to compete at the, the highest level. So, um, we've had so much talent right here in our backyard that it, it was the smart thing to do. We have ventured out a little bit more um, as of recently, and I, I think we'll continue to venture out. But I, I do think the majority of our players will still be from California. I love that. Uh, <laughs> you have six starters returning. Of those six, who do you think is the most important, you know, kind of on the field, off the field, in a leadership quality? Is there somebody that you're looking to to kind of take the reins this season in a group that, you know, there's probably a couple girls who could step up and be leaders? Yeah, I think um, in the circle, you know, Kelly White and Ashley Coleman, um, 
have, you know, pitched the majority of our innings last year. Yeah, you guys are returning like 98% of your innings pitched from last season. <laughs> yes, and, and we also have veteran Devin Magnet, who yep. always comes in and is very steady and uh, closes out a lot of our games. So she's been with the program for four years, knows what our expectations are, and does a phenomenal job of uh, leading the way with her maturity and uh, she's just a very smart player. She also strikes out a lot of batters, and I know that's kind of where both baseball and softball are going now, trying to strike batters out more often than, you know, getting contact and stuff like that. Have you have you seen that in that the pitchers are changing? Because you have the, you know, interesting view of being a player and then being a coach and kind of seeing the game grow. Have you seen the way girls approach pitching change? Yeah, I think every pitcher has a different style, and, of course, we love to have those strikeouts and uh, – you know, but with the quality of hitter that there are out there, it's mm-hmm. it's tougher and tougher to to strike people out. So I think pitchers pitch to whatever their strength is. You know, we have a few dro- uh, drop ball pitchers that we're just looking for them to get a lot of ground balls for us and and keep the ball, you know, inside of the park. And uh, you know, we have some that have some good off speed and up pitches. That yeah, are but, strikeout pitchers. But you would you would agree that the game is more offensive now or it kind of gets more offensive every year. Absolutely. I think just with video and the strength programs and just technology and the hitters are getting better and better. Do you think that's why you guys have been so successful? Your team has batted over 280 in six of the last seven seasons, which is pretty impressive. Yes, I definitely think just overall offensively, our game has evolved I think faster than any other part of the game. So I, I think offense is is definitely um, getting better and better throughout the country. Who's going to be leading that lineup? I know you've got Gonzalez, McCollum, Hernandez, obviously the All-American Taylor Rowland. That's going to be kind of your heart of your lineup? Yeah, I honestly think one through nine, uh, we're going to be very competitive this year. Offense is definitely a, a strength for us, and uh, we've been hitting the ball well. So, Does this team remind you at all of any other team that you've had here recently? I know, obviously, the offense recently has been so good. Is this team as good or could be as good offensively? I think offensively this team can be as good as, as any we've had. I think that's certainly a, a a possibility. That's saying something because you guys rewrote the record books in 2018. <laughs> yes, it definitely is, you know, a, a tall task ahead, but uh, I definitely think it's possible. What type of doubt. offensive style do you think you guys will be your best at? I mean, are you, you know, walk, knock, trying to hit the ball really far, or are you just trying to get people on, get them over, and get them in? I think we have a good balance. I think oh, we okay. got, I think everybody in the lineup can hit for power. Um, and then, you know, we have our, our lefties with that have a lot of speed and, you know, can put the ball in play and put runners in motion, and, and we love to do that. So so that sounds like a lineup you're going to be able to play with a little bit, move yes. people around, see, see what works. Depending on the situation and kind of how, how we're doing that day. I mean, if everybody's pounding it pretty good, then we're going to just let them swing away. If we need to break it down a little bit and put runners in motion – We can certainly do that. That's a really good option to have. I'm sure it's kind of difficult for girls who are just coming into the squad right now to break in with all these returners and all these letter winners. Are there some newcomers that you have your eye out that you think can contribute this season? Absolutely. I think uh, Morgan Quinlan, um, a freshman pitcher, uh, will definitely come in and see time right away, uh, along with Shelby Frutos, who also is 
a freshman pitcher. Uh, Sarah Olson uh, plays in the outfield and uh, may play a little second base for us as well as a freshman. Just a super competitor um, and has come in and you know, hasn't played like a freshman. So. Right. And that's stuff that you notice in the off-season workouts, the way that a, that a player carries herself, kind of when they come in as a freshman, like, oh, this one looks like a freshman. This one doesn't look like a freshman. Yeah. When they're, when they're out there winning and conditioning and, and beating, you know, the upperclassmen and diving for balls and just trying to do anything they can. And you just, you can see that competitive spirit and, uh, you know, it, it really stands out. Uh, you already mentioned Kelly White, a transfer from Utah State. We also mentioned the junior, Alyssa Gonzalez, a transfer from Old Miss. You guys have been able to fold in these really talented transfers and kind of not miss a beat with bringing them in and they've been part of the Beach family. Um, that's been difficult for some coaches, right? The transfer rules in all of NCAA sports are changing right now. How have you as a coach and kind of with your program dealt with transfers, bringing in fresh talent, and not having it be a disruptor and kind of more of an addition for you guys? Um, I think, you know, it's we've been very fortunate with the uh, level of talent that we've got within our transfers. And, uh, you know, if we think that they can help our program and, and make us better, then it's somebody we're certainly going to go after. And I think everyone in our program understands that we want to be the best we can possibly be. And, the higher caliber athlete and person that we're bringing in is only going to make everybody better. So, right. um, yeah, we've just been absolutely so fortunate with transfers coming in, fitting in right away, um, and, and contributing right away. So, in the Big West, I know that there's a style that wins, but it seems to change every year, right? Like, one year, it's the, a really dominant pitcher. And then, in, like, you guys in 2018, it was you just hitting the crap out of the ball. What yeah. do you think is the most sustainable style to be successful in the Big West and against rivals like Cal State Fullerton? I think it all starts in the circle. I think just being able to find ways to to win games in those critical moments and, and be consistent with that in the circle. You always have to have that to be able to win a championship. And then I, I still believe defense is, is, you know, right there with, with the pitching. I think those are the two most important things. And then hitting, you know, hitting is going to win you some games, but I think yeah. you need the pitching and defense to be consistent enough yeah. to win a championship. So you guys have had an incredible program, like I said, trying to reach your 25th NCAA tournament. But obviously a good program is more about just good people, right? Absolutely. And you have a really cool connection in that you're an alumni and a coach. So you've been around a lot of different types of Long Beach State softball players. Yes, is there any yeah. alumni out there that you want to shout out? Somebody that's just been balling? Because I know we see Erin Jones-Wesley maybe once or twice a year when she comes in. She does the color commentary for the ESPN broadcast. And EJ Dub is one of our all-time favorites. So it's she always is. nice to see her. She has huge energy. And, and we knew Erin was going to do big things uh, from the minute she got here. And it's exciting to see that she is now Miss uh, Santa Monica. And uh, Wait, believe... like like a beauty pageant? Yes, like a beauty pageant. That makes so. sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so EJ Dub. But uh, Miss Santa Monica and just, I uh, believe, uh, was runner-up in Miss California. So Wow, um, that's incredible. Yeah, she's doing big things, loving what she's doing, and... Uh, we're super proud. Yeah, she's always really good on the call on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Especially when we're there. Like, when we when they come in ESPN, they broadcast from the complex. 
the press gets to sit right next to them. So you kind of get the background view of behind the scenes view, excuse me, of what they need to do to look prepared on television. Yeah. And she's she's very good at that. Um, is there any other alumni? Maybe somebody uh, that you played uh, with? Oh Yeah, my roommate, Ruby Flores, who I'm super proud of, is uh, just doing great things with the LAPD. She's now a commander for the LAPD oh. and uh, just... You know, really a big part of our program gives back, yeah. comes and speaks to the team, and uh, you know, it's our our alumni is a, a huge part. Obviously, they paved the way, and yep. uh, we're we're super proud of all of them. Well, that's great stuff, Coach. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy as the season approaches. We'll definitely see you out there on the diamond. Take care and good luck. Thank you. Bringing Andy back on the show. We're wrapping things up for the LB Fee Show. Like we always do, it's food recommendations. And I guess since it was Super Bowl yesterday, recording this on Monday, it's a perfect time to ask you, what'd you eat this weekend? <laughs> uh, very unhealthy. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that's a few listeners out there are, are with me. But, you know, those, those things uh, on a Super Bowl Sunday, whether they're wings or burgers or pizza or anything like that, I think I had all of the above. Uh, yeah, but, we're, all, we're all fooling ourselves when we lay out that fresh cut vegetables. Yeah. It's like, where's the ranch, though? <laughs> but here's where I'm going to give a recommendation. The recommendation is this week I'm going to, uh, Nicole and I, will probably get out and, and grill up some shrimp. Ooh. Do a little uh, do a little salad, do something a little a little healthier choice there. Nice. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit like, who was it? Uh, Bubba? Wasn't it Bubba? Yep. Uh, you know, lemon shrimp, chicken shrimp. Different types of shrimp. Yeah. I'm a big shrimp guy, so we're going to try and do something a little healthier this week. Okay. And then uh, I'll be, the, be feeling that much better, right? So do you shell before you barbecue the shrimp? Usually, you yes. Shell it? Okay. Although, uh, you know, some will say that leaving the shell on enhances the taste. That's so. what they say. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm, I I don't know if my palate isn't advanced enough to uh, tell the difference, but but I do think about that quite often when uh, when we do the uh, when we shell them. But. I, we shell them and then you put them on the skewers. You got to soak the skewers oh, yeah. though, because those things yeah. light on fire yeah. very quickly. Soak the skewers. They get them in there, and then you put the vegetables next to them, and the yeah. juices of the vegetables. Make sure the yeah. That's the key. Yeah. That's the key right there. Um, my food recommendation is the spicy guacamole that they sell in the front of Vaughn's. You know when you're leaving Vaughn's, there's that little oh, yeah. refrigerator yeah, s- yeah, section, yeah, yeah. and they have the um, the bag of chips that looks like somebody's uh, abuela made it. Oh yeah, and just put it in a bag and just laid it there. Spicy guac with those chips, it's second to none. I I don't know who's making that guacamole, but good on you. It's always it's always a good call. I've fallen for that many a time myself. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an impulse buy. It, it completely, and it's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant marketing by the folks at Vaughn's. Thanks again to Kim Sauter for coming on the show. Uh, producer Roger. Lindy stopped by and helped produce as well, so shout out to her. Appreciate it. Andy, thanks so much for having us. We will listen and see you guys uh, in two weeks for another episode of the LB Fee Show. Take care, Long Beach.